If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Well, it was a massive weekend this weekend for Oklahoma athletics, ranging from the baseball diamond in Houston, Texas, to the softball field in Norman, Oklahoma, to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, to the basketball courts in West Virginia, to a huge recruiting weekend for Lincoln Riley and company. That means, as normal, we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome, everybody, to the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find our content. We're also on Twitter, on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Would love to get you to follow us there. And again, always asking for you to do us a solid. Um, if you're catching us on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, on TuneIn, uh, wherever you're getting us, first of all, thank you so much for listening and uh, being a part of this podcast. But also, man, we'd love to have you give us a ranking. Uh, if you give us that five-star ranking, that would help us out uh, immensely. Let's start with basketball. Let's look at Oklahoma getting what they needed, exactly what they needed, with a win over West Virginia in Morgantown. The Mountaineers become the only team to this point that Oklahoma has swept on the season. Now, they still have an opportunity to sweep Texas. They still have an opportunity to sweep TCU. But West Virginia becomes the first team that Oklahoma sweeps in conference play. 73-62 was the final in Morgantown. The Sooners joining the Kansas Jayhawks as the only team to have beaten West Virginia on their home floor this season. That's good company. And again, it's it's it, for me as a fan, it's much like that win over Texas Tech last Tuesday night where you just think, okay, well, where was this team in Stillwater, Oklahoma? I do feel like I'm moving closer to Rich's side of this argument where these wins, back-to-back wins over top 25 opponents help Oklahoma and are beginning to erase the sting of the Bedlam loss. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, what you know is that I said after Bedlam that Oklahoma has to win out. I mean, you lose that Bedlam game. Now you're forced to go 4-0 for the remainder of the season, which included a road win in Morgantown where Oklahoma has not been great on the road. That that win was only Oklahoma's third win this season on the road in a true road game. But what it does is it boosts Oklahoma in just about every statistical category necessary for the NCAA tournament. 
The Sooners 18-11 and 11 now in the season, two wins away from that magical number of 20 wins. They're 8-8 eight and eight in conference play. And with Texas coming to town on Tuesday night, there's so much to play for. So let's break down just real fast the different levels that Oklahoma has to play for. First of all, NCAA tournament. Texas is surging. Longhorns have won four in a row. They're tied with Oklahoma at 8-8 eight and eight in the conference. That fourth spot in the Big 12 tournament is up for grabs. And Oklahoma and Texas, both in line to get it, meaning whoever wins this game Tuesday night has the inside track at that four seed. And that's massive because if you're the four seed, you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. And so there's a way to bypass, so to speak, that 20-win mark if you can get to the four seed. And that's on the line in Lloyd Noble Tuesday night. Just another reason for you to go out and to buy a ticket and to be there. Texas, again, surging with the win over Texas Tech on Saturday. Oklahoma surging with the win over Texas Tech last Tuesday and then on the road in Morgantown, West Virginia. Last Saturday, both teams, again, 8-8 eight and eight in conference. One of them's going to be the four seed. One of them's not. West Virginia kind of still in the running with that as well. But you got to think with Oklahoma having, sorry, I I'm, I'm said West Virginia, Texas Tech still in the running on that fourth seat as well. Again, but you got to think with Oklahoma having this late surge as well as Texas, Texas Tech. Texas Tech's playing at Baylor. And that's going to happen, you know, I'm recording this podcast on Monday. That's, that game will be over with by the time you probably listen to this podcast. But Texas Tech, Oklahoma and Texas all at 18 and 11. And if it sh- the way it shakes out right now, Kansas is your top seed in the Big 12, number one in the country. Baylor is the second seed in the Big 12, number four in the country. Those are the only two ranked teams that the Big 12 has. And it's kind of crazy when you consider the, the depth of this conference, which has traditionally been a fantastic basketball conference. You've only got two ranked teams, but both of those teams are top five. Texas Tech, number three, nine and seven in conference. Oklahoma, eight and eight, currently number four. Texas, eight and eight, tied with Oklahoma at number four. And then West Virginia, seven and nine. So I feel like the number four seed is way out of reach for the Mountaineers. But Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas could all finish somewhere between three and four in this final two, this final week of Big 12 play, begging the question. Who's going to be three? And again, you don't have to be three if you're Oklahoma. It'd be fantastic if you are three, because this is a team that, if you remember, was picked to finish eighth in the conference. They were they were picked to finish eighth, and now we're talking about them somewhere between three and five. But yet we've got people who want to. Well, I'm, I'm getting off on a rabbit here. But we've got people that really just are not satisfied with Lon Kruger. And I, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm really not gonna go down that rabbit hole, I promise you. But I am gonna say this. Lon Kruger has taken a team that was picked to finish eighth in the Big 12 
and they're battling for possibly a third seed in the Big 12 tournament with just one senior. Just one senior. I would think that's a pretty good coaching job. I would think that needs to be celebrated. And if he can win out the last two games at home against Texas and on the road against TCU, that's a 21 season with one senior and a team that was picked to finish eighth in the Big 12. Let's cut Long Kruger some slack, can we? Because 20 and 11, if they if they wrap it up with two more wins, 20 and 11 is not bad, folks. Here's the other thing that's on the line, though. We talked about the three or four seed in the Big 12. We talked about the NCAA tournament. Kristen Doolittle is playing some basketball right now. And what's at stake as far as all-conference team? Now, remember, he was the most improved player last year in, in the Big 12. But I think he legitimately has a chance to be first team. Now, I, I think, honestly, at this point, I think the only two players, the only two players that are locked to be first team all Big 12 are from Kansas. I think Azubuke and Dotson, they're there. I, I, I don't, and, and Kansas may get a third. They may, they may get a third with Marcus Garrett. But Azubuke and Dodson are are locks. I think Bain from TCU has a chance to be a lock. I don't think he's there yet, but I think he has a chance. Which sets us up to think, well, if there's two or three spots left on that all-Big 12 first-team ballot, where does Kristen Doolittle fit in with that? He's leading the team in rebounds, 8.8 rebounds per game. He's leading the team in scoring, 15.7 points per game. He's shooting 44% from the floor. Oklahoma's sitting at 18-11, mostly because of Kristen Doolittle. And they, they, the Sooners need him to continue to be on a roll, to con- continue to do what he's doing as he... Leads Oklahoma. I mean, and here's the thing. It's senior night on Tuesday night, and there's only one senior. So you're going to celebrate Kristen Doolittle. It is his night, Tuesday night. And if he goes off for 20-plus points, 9 or 10 rebounds against Texas in a rivalry game, that would solidify Oklahoma being at least the four seed in the Big 12 tournament. On senior night, you really got to think about putting this kid as a first-team All-Big 12 player. All right, then, let's move over to Indianapolis in the NFL Combine. Oklahoma with three players there, Kenneth Murray, CeeDee Lamb, and Neville Gallimore. All three of them having a big performance that did nothing other than boost their draft stock. Now, keep in mind that Todd McShay, in his most recent, I haven't seen anything this week, it's only Monday, but Last week in his mock draft, he did not have Neville Gallimore going in the first round. Didn't have him as a first-round pick. Granted, we're homers, right? That's why you're listening to the Sooner Nation podcast, because you're a homer, and so am I. That's why I'm making the Sooner Nation podcast. But I believe, you believe, I think we all believe, 
Neville Gallimore is a first-round pick, and we thought that the NFL Combine would kind of boost that for him. And I think that's exactly what it did, particularly with speed. He ran one of the fastest 40 times of the big men in Indianapolis. So now you got to find a place for him. Where do you want him? I mean, who wants him? Who needs him? Picking there in the first round. And and our, our man Chris Plank is going to be super excited about this, but I think the Raiders, man, I think the Raiders got, I, I think there's a chance. I had to stop and pause and think for a second to make sure I'm just not crazy. And I don't think I am. I, I think there's a chance that the Raiders can take both Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore. They've got two first round picks. I do think Murray will be off the board before Gallimore. I think CeeDee Lamb's probably going to be off the board first. He's going to be the first Oklahoma player selected. I believe that. By the way, if you haven't seen his catch yet, man, you you got to see that. We've we've got a post about it at Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com, where you can see it there. Or you could just look it up on Twitter. Obviously, we prefer that you look at it at our website because that gives us page views. But whatever. Go look at the catch. He drew praise from guys like Tyrone Matthew. I mean, other NFL execs were were praising him. Current and former players were praising him. CeeDee Lamb, again, you got to step aside from being a homer to say things like this. Because Alabama has some good receivers. Jerry Judy is a really good receiver. But I believe that CeeDee Lamb is the top receiver in this draft class. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. And so you got Neville Gallimore working his way into a first-round pick with for guys like Todd McShay. I, I think Todd McShay is off. And I now I can't remember if it was Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper, but I think it was Todd McShay. Pretty sure it was. But anyway, in the minds of some people, Neville Gallimore is working his way to a first-round pick. You can't see the guy run a 4.7940. You can't see what he did his, his senior year and not think, not think this guy's a beast. You can't you can't see his measurables and his film and not think. We could use this guy. And again, there's the Raiders sitting there with two first-round picks. Now, if you can can only pick one between Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore, again, I'm going with Kenneth Murray. But that said, someone else is going to get Neville Gallimore in the first round. Now, we'll have, uh, you know, we're only into March now as we... As we get closer to the draft, we're going to kind of give you some predictions where we think these guys are going to go. But if I had to give you an order right now, I would give you CeeDee Lamb first off the board, Kenneth Murray second off the board, and then Neville Gallimore third off the board, but all of them in the first round of the NFL draft. By the way, one AFC exec said about Kenneth Murray that it was the best combine interview that he's ever done think about that 
Now, maybe he's only done, <laughs> because he was an unnamed exec. So maybe he's only done a couple of interviews, okay? Let's grin. Maybe he's only done a couple. But I, it didn't come across that way with the story. I think if it was a new exec that had only done a couple of interviews, it wouldn't have been newsworthy for that to get out. So I think that this is probably an NFL exec who's been around for a while, who's done a lot of combine interviews and walked away from Kenneth Murray super impressed. So he's got that going for him. But what about guys who didn't make it to the combine? What about some Oklahoma players who have a lot to prove at Pro Day next week? Who are some of the names that we also should be paying attention to who didn't get that invite? I think you have to start that conversation with Parnell Motley. A a guy who was probably probably the biggest snub for not being invited to the NFL Combine, he's going to have a lot to prove and he's going to have a massive chip on his shoulder when the NFL scouts come to Norman. Parnell Motley will get drafted. Probably third round or lower, but he's going to get drafted. I mean, I don't don't think anybody doubts that. Now, some, some projections having five or six... I think he could, I said third round or lower. I I think that's how much he has to gain. I don't think he has anything to lose. If you don't get invited to the NFL Combine, you don't have anything to lose. Guys who would have something to lose now at Oklahoma's Pro Day would be the three guys that I just mentioned. Neville Gallimore, Kenneth Murray, and CeeDee Lamb. They've done their thing. They've been, they've been weighed. They've been measured. They've been tested. They've been, they've been quizzed. Everybody knows everything about those three guys. I I would not expect to see much from them at Pro Day. I I would think that Kenneth Murray would probably run again. He was fast, 4'5", something, 4'5'7", I think, 4'5'9", somewhere around there. He was fast, but he's faster than that. I I actually said to one of our our group chats for Heartland Sports. I said, you know, that, that's kind of slow for Kenneth Murray because he was running sub 4-5 in workouts prior to the combine. And his speed is something that's going to be one of his biggest assets. So I would expect that Kenneth Murray's probably going to run again. Neville Gallimore may run again. But he was already pretty dang fast. If you're CeeDee Lamb, man, you just show up. You say hi, you answer a few questions, maybe run some routes. I, I don't know. I mean, again, if you're CeeDee Lamb, what, what do you have to gain after being one of the most impressive guys at your position at the Combine? And the truth is you can say that for all three of those guys, but Parnell Motley got nothing to lose. Parnell Motley is going to have a big chip on his shoulder, and I think he's going to have an impressive pro day. I think from there, you look at R.J. Proctor. Keep in mind that R.J. Proctor transferred as a grad transfer from Virginia to come to Oklahoma to play for Bill Bedenboe for the sole purpose of improving his draft stock. He was already a starter for Virginia. He was already one of the highest graded offensive linemen for Virginia. I mean, he, he, had, he had things going for him. 
But what he wanted to do was improve his draft stock. I think R.J. Proctor has some things to prove, and I think R.J. Proctor will get drafted. So it gives you five players, and then you got some guys kind of on the outside looking in, okay? A guy like Lee Morris. I do believe that Lee Morris will work his way into an undrafted free agent type situation. But here's a guy that you need to pay attention to, and it's Marquise Overton. Because I think Marquise Overton is a lot closer to the Lee Morris situation than he is to the R.J. Proctor situation. But I think Marquise Overton, of all the, of all the players that are going to be there at that pro day, I think Marquise Overton has the most to gain. Like, I mean, keep in mind, Parnell Motley is going to get drafted, okay? And Parnell Motley is going to go out and, and do things for the sole purpose of improving draft stock. Same thing with R.J. Proctor. R.J. Proctor is probably right now a sixth-round draft pick. Can he get into the fifth round? We'll see what he does at Pro Day. But where's Marquise Overton? Because he's a fringe, probably a fringe seventh-round pick that can move up maybe and become a guaranteed guy. So Marquise Overton probably has the most to prove, and that's something you definitely want to keep a watch on as Oklahoma prepares to host their pro day. Well, to say that it was a huge weekend for Oklahoma on the baseball and softball fields would be a massive understatement. Probably a bigger weekend for baseball than it was for softball. So let's talk about softball first and, quote, save the best for last. No slide to our defending Big 12 champion softball girls. Oklahoma hosted the Courtyard Marriott Tournament this weekend, Northwestern, North Texas. Abilene Christian on campus to play in this tournament. Sooners did hit a bump in the road on Saturday, losing their first game to North Texas 3-4. Ended up going 4-1 on the weekend and winning the tournament. They took out Northwestern on Friday night 8-3 and then Abilene Christian 4-2. Like I said, they lost to North Texas Saturday in the early game, but then just came back, posted 15 runs against North Texas in the late game on Saturday which put them in the championship against, again, Northwestern. If you listened to our podcast with Rich and I a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this tournament coming up, I think I said, or Rich, I think it was me. One of us said, if this championship is anything other than Northwestern and Oklahoma, something seriously went wrong. Well, it was almost not that, but it was. Oklahoma beats Northwestern on Sunday afternoon 5-1 to one, to take home the tournament championship. Now, here's some thoughts. This team is good. They're not as good as they were a year ago. And that comes down to two things. The first thing it comes down to is their lineup. They've got some new some new people on the lineup. And they are not as potent from one to nine as they have been in years past. Now, the top of this order, the top five... That's murderer's row for a pitcher. But the bottom four, they, they're going to have to get better. And, and again, I, I, I look, I, I hate saying this because they're good. They're going to contend for another Big 12 championship. I think they've won 11 in a row. They haven't lost a Big 12 game in two years. But here's the problem with being good. 
When you're good, you're compared to the teams before you. And Oklahoma's not there yet. They've got power across the board. They do. They, they can go yard with any of their hitters. But they need more consistency on the bottom third of the order. And that's good news because that's something that can develop. That's something that can get better with time. But here's the other thing with this, with this team. They really need Giselle Juarez. Shannon Sale is the MVP of this team so far. Because she is carrying the load in the circle. Oklahoma at 15 and 4 on the season. Now there's some there's some other arms there. Olivia Reigns is a she's the next great pitcher. Think about this. This is the team that's had some really, really good pitchers. Paige Parker, Paige Lowry, Mariah Lopez, Giselle Juarez. Well, the next good one, the next great one is going to be Olivia Reigns. Now she's just a true freshman. And so she's going through some growing pains right now, and she's learning some things about playing at this level. But the next great pitcher is already on campus, and she's getting a lot of work early in the season through Oklahoma's first 19 games. She's gotten a lot of appearances. But this team needs Giselle Juarez. They need they need her. She's the ace, and they need her in the circle. And they need her in a bad way. Because as good as Shannon Sale has been, pitched a complete game, only giving up one run on Sunday afternoon, which is probably her fourth or fifth appearance of the weekend. But the bottom line is, this is a team that needs their ace. They need Giselle. Now keep in mind, I said they're not as good as they were last year at this time. And let's not forget, they went on this this massive winning streak last year. It's the longest longest streak in program history. And so to say that they're not as good as they were a year ago is not a slam at all on this team, as much as it's just a declaration of how good that team was last year. But if you're if you're Patty Gasso, if you're a fan of this team, the good news is at some point you're going to get Giselle Juarez back and you're going to get her back healthy. She didn't pitch at all this weekend in that tournament. And based on previous performance. Now keep in mind Oklahoma does have a bevy of games again in Norman this week starting on Wednesday night when they host Wichita State. And then Friday they've got Mercer and Utah in back-to-back. Saturday they've got Murray State and Missouri State. You may see Giselle Juarez in one of those games. Before they host the OU tournament, that would include New Mexico State, Houston, and Kent State. Now, you, you don't want to... Obviously, Patty Gasso doesn't want to rush Giselle back. But the fact that she didn't throw this weekend after throwing out in California and throwing in Arizona, I, I think they're trying to buy her some more time. But, the, but also, the fact that she has thrown means... To me, that she's close. And we'll find out. I mean, that's one of those things, honestly, where it just time tells. Now, it was a, a much bigger weekend for baseball than it was for softball for, for this for this reason. Now, 
Oklahoma baseball went two and one at the Shriners Children's Hospital Classic. I think I said that right. I think it's actually Shriners Hospital for Children Classic, but whatever, you get it. They went two and one over the weekend, six to three over Arkansas. First loss of the season for Arkansas. They lost in an extra innings against Missouri on Saturday. They lost seven to eight. For picking up a massive win over LSU on Sunday, one to nothing. Now, I'm going to come back to Sunday. But the thing is, for baseball, we kind of know where they are now. This team looked good. They looked good going into the weekend. They're 9-3 and three on the season. They were 7-2 and two going into the weekend. They had looked good. But they had looked good against... Texas Southern, Illinois State, they had played Virginia to start the season. They won two out of three against Virginia before, you know, they dropped the opener and won two in a row. But you really didn't know what this team looked like against some of the better teams in the country. We knew that about softball. We'd seen top five matchups, multiple top five matchups with the softball team. But this weekend would tell us exactly where baseball stood in terms of how good they are. And I think they're absolutely a team that everyone else in the Big 12 is looking up at them now going, okay, nothing's going to come easy against this team. Their pitching is solid. Their hitting is solid. And they beat LSU. On a Justin Mitchell solo shot home run in the in the eighth inning that broke up what at the time was no a no-hitter game being thrown by both pitchers. Both pitchers. I said eighth inning, it was a seventh inning. No, it was the eighth inning. I take it back. See, I'm I'm doubting myself. Both pitchers threw Seven innings of no-hit baseball in this Sunday matchup. Justin Mitchell blows it up with a solo shot home run to left field. But Oklahoma's Dane Aker continues the no-hitter. And Oklahoma gets the win. one nothing over LSU. Nationally ranked team. On a setting that was, that was legendary. It's the first time in the 20-year history of this classic that a pitcher has pitched a no-hitter. So it's the first time it's happened at Oklahoma since 1989. And by the way, in 1989, it happened against Old Dominion. Now, I don't, I don't know how good Old Dominion baseball was in 1989. I tend to lean towards this being a little bit better of an opponent that Aker faced. On Sunday. But the bottom line is Oklahoma comes back from Houston having won two of three games, nine and three on the season, nationally ranked, and a team that looks very much the part like a Big 12 contender. And that's exactly what fans have been wanting for for a long time. And the thought was Skip Johnson was going to get him there. Now in his third season, he he appears to have him ready. And again, if you're looking for, for great news, there is a ton 
a ton. I mean, a ton of games still for Oklahoma to work on little things and improve here and there before they start Big 12 play. Tuesday night, they, they, they host Dallas Baptist. Wednesday night, they host Arkansas Pine Bluff. They got a three-game set this coming weekend against San Diego State. You'd expect, you'd expect this team to reel off another five wins this week. They've set the standard. Now, Dallas Baptist traditionally is a pretty good baseball team. They've got a game coming up next week against UT Arlington, traditionally a pretty good baseball team. Arkansas is going to have another shot at them. They're going to play in Oklahoma City at the Bricktown Ballpark. That'll be their, their final tune-up game before conference play starts, before they host Texas on March 20th. Then you got a four-game set with Cal Poly in there. And I mean, this is a team that between now and conference play, I think anything greater than two losses, really probably one loss, but when you when you consider UT Arlington and Dallas Baptist midweek games, midweek pitchers, I think anything greater than two losses, probably a disappointment before conference play starts. But you got to like the direction. You, you can't help but like the direction that this baseball program is heading in Skip Johnson's third season. All right, well, let's wrap this up with some talk about Oklahoma football recruiting. A big weekend for the Sooners this last weekend. Lincoln Riley tweets out the eyeball emojis on Sunday night. We all know what that means. Someone has told Lincoln Riley that they are going to make a verbal commitment to play for the Sooners. There's not any sense of certainty as to who that player is, but there is speculation, and there's a lot of it. Oklahoma right now, three players committed for 2021, but the, the the name that everyone's talking about right now is Latrell McCutcheon. Latrell McCutcheon is a cornerback. 24-7 has him listed as a four-star recruit. He's a 14th-ranked corner in the 2021 class, and he's the 27th overall prospect from the state of Texas, according to 24-7 Sports. 6'1", 176 pounds. He fits the mold of what Alex Grinch is looking for with his cornerbacks. He's tall, he's linky, he's a physical player, doesn't shy away from contact, knows how to position his body, knows how to use his length to his advantage. Here's the problem. McCutcheon had been committed to Alabama since November, but he made his way to Norman this weekend for an unofficial visit. And then on Sunday evening, he tweeted this. Sorry, I had to load it up. First off, I would truly like to thank Coach Saban, along with the rest of the Alabama staff, for everything. Being a part of the family has been something I'll never forget. At this time, I would like to announce that I will be decommitting from the University of Alabama and reopening my recruitment. I will still be heavily considering the tide, but my family and I have decided that I should explore more my options to ensure that I am making the right decision for my future. Now, McCutcheon is from Austin, Texas. He wouldn't be the first player from Austin, Texas to make his way to Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, hey, most recently, let's look at Baker Mayfield, right? But here's the thing. McCutcheon went from not even, if you look at these predictors, the crystal ball predictions, 
he went from not even being in the mix to having like a 33% chance. Alabama dropped from 100% to 50%. Now, again, we, we don't know. We don't know where this kid is. We don't know where his mind is. We don't know what his overall decision is going to be. But we know that that Oklahoma recruiting is going and it's going hard right now. Caleb Williams has announced that he's coming for an extended visit. That's huge. He's the top quarterback in the 2021 class. A lot of people think it's between LSU and Oklahoma for him. Maryland thinks that they have a chance, but it's because he's from the D.C. area. But the reality is I don't think Maryland has any chance other than being an honorable mention because it's his home area. I think Caleb Williams is going to pick between Oklahoma and LSU. And if you made me bet right now, with my homerism aside, I think Oklahoma is the front runner. Now he's got three days in Norman coming up very soon. That's three days for Lincoln Riley to do some chalkboard talk. It's three days for uh, for you know the campus tour. Three days for the football facility tour. Three days to look at practice as Oklahoma starts spring ball. That's three days to make a quite an impression. And, and here's what you'd expect. You'd expect Lincoln Riley to go down this roster with him. Hey, you're going to play a senior year of high school football, and then you're coming to Norman. Here's what you could expect when you get here. Here's what we've got in the way of receivers. Here's what we've got in the way of offensive linemen. Here's how our recruiting is shaping up. Here's who we're offering. You can expect Williams to have a conversation with Spencer Rattler about Rattler's future. Now, I mean, not that Rattler's going anywhere after the 2020 season. Not that he's going to go anywhere after 2021. But where is he going in 2022? How long would Williams be looking at waiting in line before he has a chance to compete for the starting quarterback position? Those are all conversations that Caleb Williams is going to have at the University of Oklahoma. But what it's going to boil down to is this. As Lincoln Riley selling what he did for Baker Mayfield selling what he did for Kyler Murray and selling what he did for Jalen Hurts. By the way, we didn't mention Jalen Hurts in our NFL combine talk. And that's just because he's not a first rounder. But Jalen Hurts had a pretty heck of a performance in Indianapolis as well. And really, really where Jalen Hurts excelled was in his chalkboard talk. Diagramming plays, looking at defenses. There's videos out there of him impressing coaches. Look at Steve, look up Steve Mariucci and Jalen Hurts. And and just watch that conversation. Now remember, Jalen Hurts went from being the backup quarterback at Alabama to winning Oklahoma's fifth Big 12 championship as a starter and getting the Sooners into the playoff. In a rebuilding year, nonetheless. So you've got all that going on. And Caleb Williams is going to have the opportunity to look at all of it. And he's going to have the opportunity to look at the fact that the last three Oklahoma quarterbacks have been drafted. Two of them the number one overall pick. I, there's there's been nothing that we've have seen that would make us think that Spencer Rattler to this point won't be the fourth 
The only reason you can't say Jalen Hurts is because we don't know where he's going to land at at this point, but we know he's going to get drafted. Big weekend for Oklahoma when Caleb Williams shows up. And they just had a big, big weekend. And if Oklahoma can get Latrell McCutcheon to make a decision, if Oklahoma can get Caleb Williams to make a decision, you're going to see this thing just snowball. Because here's here's what you got to look at with recruits. They all follow each other on Twitter. They all talk. And you're starting to see kind of the trend over the last 10 years of pack recruiting. What I mean by that is you you see four or five guys, sometimes three guys. But but think about think about Oklahoma for just a second. Think about this class with Spencer Rattler. How many of those guys came in together? You got all these receivers, Jaden Hazelwood, Austin Stogner. You got all these guys, Trajan Bridges. You know, they're they're there. There's a, four receivers and a quarterback all came in together, having already had a relationship with one another, having already played, you know, seven on seven together, making a decision together. This is where we're going. And that's just an example of what the recruiting patterns are turning into. And the fact that Oklahoma can get a guy like Latrell McCutcheon to decommit from Alabama, again, he could end up in Tuscaloosa. He could very well end up there. He's not he's not writing off the tide, but he's not 100% on them anymore. But the fact that they can do that, that they can pull that off and at least get that kid to look at them. By the way, McCutcheon says, I'll be back to Norman. He tweeted about the good time he had. This was an unofficial visit, meaning he will make an official visit to Norman. During the season. And the fact that he's going to do that. Just. It, it ex- explains to you. And it shows you. It paints a picture. Of what Alex Grinch is doing. And exactly how close. Defensive recruiting is. To start getting the momentum. That, that Lincoln Riley's had on the offensive side. For three or four years now. And it just takes one guy to commit. But once that one guy commits, expect a snowball effect to take place. Now, we do have an unaccounted set of eyeballs out there that Lincoln Riley tweeted out on Sunday night. Is it McCutcheon? Is it somebody else? We're just going to have to keep tabs of that throughout the week. And hopefully this week we'll we'll, we'll figure that out. But as soon as we do, you can find that probably uh, pretty quickly at heartland-sports.com. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sunday Nation podcast. Again, thanks so much for taking a ride with us. Thanks for hanging out. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can always send us an email, heartland-sports, sorry, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Or you can leave a comment on our podcast page at heartlandsports, heartland-sports.com. Find our content, find us every day there. Have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.